You are listening to Your First 100K, the number one podcast for Christian entrepreneurs, coaches, and business owners who want time freedom and financial freedom so that they can provide for their families, travel the world, and give back to the less fortunate. If that's you, then sit back and stay tuned in because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Joseph Warren. I started my first multi-million dollar business at age 19 and wasted away my 20s trying to find happiness through money, success, and pleasure. I made millions, but I still didn't feel happy or fulfilled until I learned the real secrets of success. So the big question is this, how can Christian entrepreneurs like us who didn't give up on our dreams build a highly profitable six to seven figure business without being unethical, doing it all ourselves and neglecting our family and our faith? Well, that is the question. And this podcast will give you the solutions and strategies you've been looking for. Thanks for spending time with me today. If you're new here, then welcome. I have a free 10-day training waiting for you over at first100k.com. Again, go to first100k.com to grab your free 10-day training. Today, my featured guest is Jeff Sauer. Did I say that right, Jeff? You did. Awesome. Jeff is the founder of Data Driven You, agency owner, business coach, professional, and a digital nomad. True to his belief in data-driven marketing, he has developed a world-class marketing curriculum taught in universities. Data-driven you. There you go. He's given over 100 keynote speeches in over 20 countries, and his in-person and online training programs have helped thousands of digital marketers like you, Startup Nation, become, become Google-certified professionals. You can view his one sheet. Well, no, we don't want that. This is what your team sent over to me. So you can find him at datadrivenu.com. That's datadriven, the letter U.com. Jeff Sauer, welcome to your first 100K, top 100 podcast uh, in entrepreneurship. Go ahead and take a minute, share something uh, personal about you that very few people in your business life actually know. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, by the way. And uh, something personal about me is that I, it was like a coin flip decision as to whether I was going to go into marketing or go into a completely different career. Um, I was thinking about going into video production as a career. And at the time I just thought, you know, I'll be bound to a computer editing bay my whole life. I'll never be able to travel, never do anything. And I decided, okay, I'm not going to do that. Fast forward like a year or two later, YouTube comes out, video becomes a thing, streaming, Netflix. You know, I, I was one of those skeptics about it. Um, I even thought that uh, the best business idea in the world was just to ship thumb drives with with movies on them instead of shipping DVDs. So I thought if I would have had my way with Netflix, I would have told Netflix to take uh, USB drives and put movies on those as opposed to the streaming thing. I just never thought it was going to happen or never was going to work. And so that skepticism um, didn't really bite me in the butt too much because now I am active on YouTube. I am doing my own video production and stuff like that. But it's sort of funny how that coin flip led me to where I am today. Now, video and video marketing sounds really sexy. Data, analyzing data, doesn't. <laughs> it just doesn't, okay? That's fair. Well, that's fair. It's definitely fair. Now, immediately, 
my audience is listening. They're like, ah, what's this episode going to be about? They said the word data. Ah, they're checking out, right? Why do they need to listen? What are you about to share with them? Give us just the summary of the the big picture. So it's funny, like data is, is sort of the end result of my journey. It's not really the front end, right? So data is a, is a result of things that are happening. It's not something that necessarily needs to be intimidating, but it is something uh, I've heard a, a quote, data is the new oil. And it is basically something where it's an opportunity to go after something and, and, and create something new, right? So data is, it's funny, it, it is intimidating. It is, it is scary. But all it really is, is just ones and zeros. All it is, is just rows of data in a spreadsheet. And so when people talk about data, it sounds sounds confusing, but it's really just the input of, of whatever you can collect. You know, if you're like, if you're looking at, if you're shooting free throws and you miss eight out of out of 10, that's data, right? Every, every time you do something, every time you make a phone call, every time that you log onto your computer, every time you do something essentially is data, right? So if you look at it that way, it's really just a way of quantifying what humans do. And I know quantifying is probably one of those scary words, right? <laughs> um, but ultimately that that's, if you think about it that way, we're all data in some way, shape or form. It doesn't need to be intimidating. Um, big data is just more of those little things. But even if it sounds already a uh, little bit too intense, we'll go back to the journey as to why I mean that it's the final destination as opposed to the beginning as we go through this this interview. Okay. And Startup Nation, I just want to reframe the meaning of data. It's not the actual definition of data, but uh, in a way that triggers uh, or elicits positive emotions in us rather than negative, right? So data, good data equals big profits. Good data equals big profits, right? Oh, now I got your attention. That sounds sexy. I want big profits, right? So the better the data you have, the bigger the profits you can make, right? Because data equals clarity, right? That's what it equals. And, and you need clarity in your businesses. And so many of us, especially when we start out year one, two, and three, we're not looking at data in our companies. We're not looking at numbers. We're just not. Right. So we're literally just guessing half the time on what's going to work, what's not working. And then we don't give enough time to a lot of these positive processes that will work that already are working. Um, and, we, and we're just like, oh, it's not working big enough. And we shut it down and we stop doing it before it has any chance to prove itself. So this is a mistake many of us make. Jeff, speak to us about that. What, what do you see in your world? Yeah, I mean, data, if you just put it simply, like, again, if you do the same thing over and over again, and you expect different results, that's the definition of insanity. But if you were to say that you, you know, you're getting started, you're cold calling or cold emailing, and you send out the same message to every single person, and you you get some good results, you get some bad results. Well, if you get a good result on a good day, and you might say that's that's how everybody behaves, that's how everybody wants, that's what everybody wants. And then you try doing it again, 99 more times, and it doesn't work. Right. Uh, ultimately, if you make decisions purely off of emotion and purely off of just how you feel that day, you'll never have any kind of consistency. But if you were to track, hey, I sent out this email, I sent I sent out version A versus version B, version A gets a better response or that leads to more sales, that leads to better results, then ultimately you're collecting your own data and you'll be able to say, okay, version A is the way to go. And that's going to lead to 20% more sales as we go along, right? It's just a simple experiment of tracking as things are going on. And that doesn't have to be super difficult or super hard. Um, it can be something where if you're, if you're in an elevator or somebody and you do the elevator pitch for your business, this is something I do all the time. 
Like people say, okay, well, what do you, what do you do? And I've tried maybe 50 different ways of describing what I do to see how people react. And when I say something like I do data, that it's exactly how you expect it. People are like, okay, that I don't really know what that means. But if I say something like, you know, like now I, now I say, Hey, I have a YouTube channel and I explain that to my neighbors in my, my new neighborhood. And they're like, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. Or, Hey, I'm a digital nomad. I travel the world and I teach people marketing. They're like, Oh, that's really interesting. Tell me about that. So it's really how you frame things up and how you position it ultimately is a way, like I said, of collecting data. And so, like you said, Joseph, the biggest thing to know here is when you're getting started, if you just do something, you decide that it doesn't work and then you give up, you're not really learning anything. You're not really collecting any useful information that you can use to do it again. And then basically what ends up happening is people on their journey to their first 100K in revenue, they try something, meet any kind of resistance whatsoever, give up, move on to the next thing. They jump from guru to guru. They jump from tactic to tactic and they don't really have anything sustainable or that's sticky for them because they're not actually collecting any kind of knowledge or they're not, they're not comparing it so they can say, okay, how do I want to do this? Now, the reason why I got into this is because I realized that most people don't collect or inform their future decisions based on what happened in the past. And I feel like data is the ultimate way of learning from your history. I agree with you completely. Now, 20 years ago in my business career, I did not agree with you. Um, I agreed that I got to go out and find 10,000 different ways to make money. And one of them's just going to stick and I'm going to hit it big. It's like winning the lotto in my business. And what I quickly found was that was not the case. And even the few times where it did hit so to speak, or I, I did start winning, it didn't last. Mm -hmm. it, it hit a glass ceiling and, and didn't go any further. And it's because I, I, I wasn't measuring anything in my business. I was not looking at data. I was the last guy to look at data in my company. I didn't know my business numbers. I didn't know my profits. I didn't know my P&Ls, none of that. I was just the guy that ran out, spoke to people, full charge, and brought money in, right? But when I wasn't working, there was no revenue. It was not a sustainable process. And I know many of you entrepreneurs out there, that is you. That is you. And you can spend 20 years like I did doing it wrong and getting frustrated and exhausted and probably just quitting on your dream. And that kind of sucks. And, and I've done that, right? Jeff, you ever did that? Um, I've never quit on the dream, but I have made some really dumb decisions and gotten myself into some pretty deep holes that I needed to pull myself out of by, like you said, by, by trying things or not being more calculated with how I go to market with things. Now, I was very fortunate in having some business partners who are much older and wiser, who sort of took the dumb, young, young Jeff and molded me into what I became and what I preach now. So I didn't start off as the data person. I sort of was more of a faith-based person, faith that I was going to get there someday and that I was young and I just needed to give it energy. So I, I was the, the avatar, the exact avatar that we're talking about. Um, and, and I just happened to surround myself with some really good people who mm -hmm. sort of helped me see clearly and helped me become the guy that I now am an evangelist for, or the, the thing that I, that I preach and, and talk about. So, yeah. 
I like what you just said there. You surrounded yourself with people that were older and wiser and they molded you. And I tried to do the same. I surrounded myself with business partners that were older and wiser, more experienced than me. They didn't mold me per se. They molded me a little bit, but they mostly manipulated me. They used me for what I, my talents and skill set. And because I didn't know the data in the company and the numbers, I got taken advantage of. I got betrayed. And I ended up right losing everything. Right, and they just stole the business out from under me because I didn't know my own numbers. Yeah. So there's there's like a, a painful result of not knowing your data. Now, Jeff, let's go back in time. Um, you know, early days, man, year one, two, and three in this business that you're in right now. Um, where has data really benefited you? Like you found like a specific case study in your own business, in your own numbers, in your own data, you were able to act upon it and you got this incredible result. And then where did you miss acting upon the data that was right in front of you and you got burnt? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll this, this current business, um, it's, it's my second rodeo, my second, my second venture. The first one, I'm going to give it the, the, the 30 seconds on, it was a digital marketing agency it just sold last year for a, for a really nice multiple. Um, I was a started out as like a, I, I became a partner in the business. I was a minority partner and the, and the older guys were my, were my shareholders. And that was my first business, right? So that was marketing services as an agency. I left that role in 2013 because I wanted to start a product type business. I was sick of making recommendations to clients that they should do digital marketing. They should run to certain types of ads. They should do all these different growth tactics. And they're like, yeah, I don't really know if I want to do that. I was like, well, if I have my own product, then I'm going to go and do all these things. Right. So I'm going to go and start my own business for the second time. And so that's, that's really where the business, the, the business we're talking about started in 2013. And the first three years were, were very interesting because I had made a name for myself as a advertising expert. I ran over $25 million in ads on the Google network. I had been to Google's campus maybe 20, 20 times. Um, I was a partner of theirs. We'd go to dinners. We'd go to baseball games. I was really in bed with the Google ad AdWords is what it was called back then, their system and their team. And and then also the Google Analytics program to measure the ads, just to see what the results were, how many people bought from the ads that you ran. So like that was my forte. And I was like, sort of like on the high end of it, you know, doing, doing all the really fun stuff. And then I went back to zero and I had nothing. I, I didn't know how to sell courses. I didn't know how to sell information products. I didn't know how to create a product. I didn't know how to do anything. And yet I thought that since I worked on data that I should create a bunch of, you know, that I should have data for myself that I can analyze. Right. And, and the startups just totally different. There really is nothing to analyze. It's really a lot of leaps of faith and a lot of trying things out. And so one of my first mistakes was sort of having imposter syndrome where I was at the top of one field going into another field and just feeling like I didn't belong and what's even going on here. The first year that I did this, so so I started like November, actually it was November 1, 2013 was my first day. So this is exactly mine. As we record this, I don't know when this is going to go live, but this is my nine year anniversary that we did this of when I went out on my own. Um, year one, which is 2014, I made $1,000 um, from my products. 
So that's not very good, right? That can't support a family that can't do much. I had, I had fortunately a lot of savings and I was very successful in my previous career. So I had a runway to go with, but um, I, I paid the bills by doing what I was familiar, which was consulting. So I cherry picked some really high-end consulting gigs and made some money off of doing that just in order to pay my end of the, the bills and everything like that. Um, while I was figuring out how to make a product business. So, so a thousand, a thousand dollars. So I guess you could say, um, going into it without really having a super high, like a good plan without really having a revenue generation, without knowing how to sell it without, you know, with everything was, were the mistakes that I made along the way. Um, the good things that I did getting up to that point was realizing that I, it was going to take me two or three years to get going. And I had a two or three year runway. I had the ability to do that. Um, I had some motivation to prove people wrong that I that I wasn't just lucky that I surrounded myself with good business partners and that I was there, um, and and I had the motivation to really build this type of business because I wanted to unlock the freedom of traveling the world and and going through and doing a lot of other stuff. And so, um, you know, basically we were become a, a full time digital nomad, work from anywhere, do that do that type of dream. So. Um, so yeah, I made some really dumb moves along the way. Um, the first three years were rocky. I and I I'm, I'm not sure if I'm answering the question fully, but I'll, I'll give you a second to to react to that, and then we can get into the rest of the journey. No, I think you're painting a very good picture for many of us. It's a picture we resonate with. And what you said as a new business, you didn't have any data to analyze, and it's so true. Every startup I've done, almost everyone, I had, I was testing business models, right? <laughs> I didn't have a proven business model that worked. So you're just trying things and it's just trial by fire. Yeah. So how do you analyze trial by fire? Maybe you could dig into that just a little bit for those that are in that place. What limited data could one analyze as they're just getting going? Yeah, that's a, I think that's a really good one because you're right. I, I was throwing crap on the wall to see what stuck. <laughs> and it was a lot of trying something, you know, you, you, and this is with online courses, right as they were starting to become a thing. <laughs> and it was like, you need to, you need to sell via webinar. You need an email list. You need to blog. You need to have SEO, you know, like all these different things. People say you need to run Facebook ads. Those were all different things that somebody else was successful in doing. And I grasped onto those to see what was there. The one thing that I sort of, the unwavering idea that I had and, and the reason why I stuck with it wasn't because of any of the tactics. It was because I liked the business model better of having a product with high margins and an infinite delivery method than I liked the business model of agency services or providing one-to-one -one services to people because that doesn't didn't really scale very well. The margins were pretty low. And every time that you wanted to replace yourself, you'd have to hire somebody, which would make you either have to raise your prices or would lower your profits, right? Versus if you sell one course, it costs the same amount of money as if you sell 20 courses. Really, there's almost no variable cost. And so I fell in love with the business model of a e-commerce model or a you know selling online. I love that model. I love the model of no inventory. I'd gotten my at, my butt kicked earlier in my, like about 2011, I, I took on a drop ship store before that was a thing. And I, I was the only person that ever drop shipped something and lost money. Every product I sold, I just stopped selling products because I was losing about $20 per order that I filled because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, 
So I didn't want physical inventory. I didn't want, I wanted high margins. I saw that online courses were sort of this new thing and were potentially the future. And I was like, if I can figure this thing out and if I can teach myself this, I, the, it's, it's, it's something that can sustain and, and fuel the life that I, that I want to do. So for me, it was a lot of the dream of this business model. I fell in love with the business model. And then I went and became a student again, watching people's webinars, reading info products, learning about what, how, what it takes to sell online for information. So I had to like really become a student of the game. You need copywriters. You need to have an email list, all those things that I was mentioning, those tactics are all things that, that you essentially need. And then um, and I already had a successful blog. So I was like, okay, let's get emails on, let's get it, start an email newsletter. So I started that right around this time, nine years ago. And then I started saying, okay, well, let's make an offer to somebody. Like let's offer them something that they'll pay money for. And then let's, let's, let's raise prices. Let's do some scarcity. Let's do all these things that I had read about. I was just, I started implementing them on a super s- small scale and then just just lived another day, lived another day, used the consulting gigs in order to pay the bills. And I was keep on experimenting with new, with adding new revenue streams. And by year two was 2015, I made about 50,000 off of my online courses. Year three, 2016, made 150,000. And then it basically went up $100,000 every year, or maybe between 100 and 150K every year as I went forward to basically the present day. <laughs> and so, so just kept on adding and stacking and adding new tactics in there to build out this business. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, and I, I don't, I don't know if this can be boiled down into good advice, but I would say that if you are looking at, if you're in the starting point or if you're looking to get to hundred K or you want to, you want to look at it, maybe start thinking about the business model and what does it look like if you're running that business model once you are successful. So if you, you know, if you, if your goal is to have a million dollar business, what will your life be like if you have a million dollar business? How many employees will you have? What type, you know, what will you have a sales team? Will you be doing sales yourself? Will you have a delivery team? Will you be doing delivery yourself? How is that going to look? That's, that's sort of where uh, my second time around, I really wanted to make sure that I could control for that variable, which is uh, a high margin business where I have more control over the product. Thank you for that, Jeff. And I think that shift in focus is very beneficial for many entrepreneurs rather than focus on the product, the widget, the thing they want to bring out into the world, focus on first, first focus on what's the business model that you want to use that once it scales, it's creating the life that you actually desire. Like what is that business model? And I could say, uh, you know, for me in my uh, elite men's coaching practice right now, I finally found that business model that works for me. And it's working with the high level guys that pay a lot of money for the specialist work that I provide. And I only meet with them a small amount of times in a, you know, in a year. And I get to work 10 hours a week. Like, and raise my family and do it right and run my shows and everything like that. Like, but that didn't happen year one, right? I've been out of three, four years now. And it's like fine tuning, like what is that business model? Mm-hmm. What, what is the one that provides the dream, 
right? The, the actual product, yeah, you pivot, you shift, you make it better, you learn, you grow, et cetera, right? And you, and you provide it with excellence, but excellence takes time, Yeah. right? But what's the business model that will be that vehicle, that launch pad for the dream life that you want Startup Nation? So that's a valid question to ask yourself and maybe just to recheck um, where you are right now. Even if you're already in a business model, it's okay to question it. Right? It's okay to, to kind of put it to the test and say, is this going to bring me the life I keep telling people I want? Or is it not? Like it's heading me down a totally different road and I'll never get there. Yeah. Well, sit with that question. That could save you a lot of time. What do you want to say to that? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And also, I would say that look at the people who you admire or who seem the happiest. And it's almost always the ones who, who have been able to get through that struggle and to make that model work. But I will I will say that it's not a one year thing. It's not a mm-hmm. not a one month thing. It's it's a multi-year thing to get a business model that has high margins off the ground because almost all your expenses and effort are front loaded and then you reap the benefits on the back end. And so most people give up because they want to exchange time for money short term and they want to get what they're worth in the short term. But the ones the true the true the true successful case studies and the true ones that are really get there are the ones who sacrifice their short-term comfort and sacrifice short-term getting exactly every dollar they're worth on the open market and, and, and invest that into their business. And it's, and it's the same, you know, it's basically an investment strategy as opposed to, you know, creating an asset as opposed to um, just trying to get exchange time for money right away. Because time for money can be something that, you know, if you, if you fall for a business model in that area, like you'll basically be doing that the rest of your, your working career mm-hmm. is, is exchanging time for money. I like, and, I, I like- and to push back on a lot of the industry experts, I think there is an exception or an outlier to poo-pooing, you know, the trading time for money idea. I think it's okay to trade time for money if you're getting paid so much money and you absolutely love the thing you're giving your time to and you want to do it for the rest of your life, right? But you still have so much free time for the rest of your life. Like, I think it's okay to do that, right? That's Again, that's the one I'm in right now and I kind of love it, right? So, but all the experts, you know, say, don't never trade time for money. Yeah. I think there's outliers. I'll I'll say to you, it's funny, like I agree with you. The blanket statement, never trade time for money can be a cop out, right? And it and it's not doesn't take into account the nuance of it. When you exchange your time for a lot of money, you're creating a high margin product. You just happen to be the product, right? So there's nothing wrong with that. I I I, I prefer the business model of high margin products mm-hmm. over time for money <laughs> for sure, right? But there can be a version of it. Like I do high-end coaching as well. If I'm if if somebody pays $20,000 a year to work with me, that person, I'm, I'm exchanging time for money, but I'm doing it on my terms. And it's the margin is so good that it ends up being worth it to do that. Right. There's a certain point, like you said, where that is the business or that, that feeds the business model. Right. It doesn't always have to be something where you give it no personal attention. It's more that you're, it's, it's more the margin that I, that I focus on. Yeah. I agree. And the type of work that probably you and I do, it's really hard to duplicate ourselves, 
right? And and to scale that way and say, okay, I'm going to replace myself in the business. Again, sometimes you don't have to replace yourself in the business if you're charging so much, much, so much money doing the thing that you love with super high margins. You never have to replace yourself because yeah. you actually want to continue it, right? Yeah. So that's something that's important, right? When you ask yourself the question, okay, what does that dream life look like? How many employees do I have? Well, I've had 50 employees, you know, it, when I was running certain businesses and I'm like, I never want to do that again. I never want to have employees again. I don't like being responsible for other people's lives. I, I as far as like, you know, financially, I don't like it. I don't, I, I'll just stick with my own. Right. So startup nation, I'm asking, I'm revealing these things about myself, not to talk about myself, but to challenge you to ask yourself these own, these same questions, right? Because so many of you, you just kind of like blindly are walking this path that is headed towards nowhere or headed towards a destination you actually don't want. Yeah. Well, and I'll add to that too, is that I had a agency with 50 employees and I was miserable. <laughs> um, I basically said, I'm never going to have employees again. And I'm never going to have a team, don't want to be a manager. But then at a certain point, you do realize that you need to have, you can't do every low value task. You can't do Agreed. everything and that you can create a margin in not doing it. <laughs> like freeing your time is ultimately mm -hmm. a thing. So you come back to hiring contractors or employees, but you do it smarter and you do it more in a way where it's tied to the performance numbers or metrics you have in place, the, the data, what the data tells you. Right. So again, like I, everything comes back to data for me. And so data would be like, Hey, I'm spending 20 hours in a week answering emails and it's mm -hmm. always the same answer. <laughs> well, the data that you collected is that you spent 20 hours doing something that can be managed for five to $10 an hour with a VA. You are doing, you know, you're spending 20 hours on $5 activities and you're spending 10 hours on thousand dollar an hour activities. How do you get yourself to the point where you only do the thousand dollar an hour activities? And how do you do 15 of those hours or 20 of those hours in a week in order to get to that point? That's, that's ultimately, that's all that data is. That's <laughs> all data is, is. It's all that it is. It's just collecting real world information and real world points of, of what you're doing and then optimizing or deciding, okay, well, this is a, this is a waste of time. And that's, you know, when, when people talk about consultants coming in or, or accountants and stuff like that, that's really all they're doing is they're saying, Hey, this, this seems to be out of balance. Do you want to balance this thing better? And then the result of the balance is you're spending less time doing things that are of low value. That's what we're talking about, Startup Nation, today with Jeff Sauer. Uh, we're speaking about making better decisions by having better data, right? And actually measuring the data in your company, right? That's what we want. We want to make better decisions, right? So that we can free up time in our life, really prioritize the things that matter to us, like our spouses and our family and our little babies and all that, right? Our faith. And we want to have the freedom to do so. So in order to do that, you got to make better decisions. In order to make better decisions, you got to have better data. You get it? That's it. It's really that simple. Jeff, thanks for breaking it down simply for us to get. All right. Like, let me ask you this, buddy. What's, what is your number one success habit that keeps you motivated and taking that consistent action to grow your business, grow your life? Yeah. Um, I'm not afraid of failing, but I'm scared scared of being a failure <laughs> and I'll never let myself be a failure. So I don't mind if something doesn't work. 
I'll always try. And I don't really have an ego or a concern about trying something because I, I just don't know if I don't know. Um, I try to be very thoughtful with anything we do with any campaign. We do any new product. I try to get data points again. I try to, so like, I'm going to give you, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't like to use the word data without qualifying it. So if I'm launching a new product, for example, um, you know, some things you can do just based off of faith, faith that you're going to, that you have the right thing or, or one conversation with one person, you know? So I've made the mistake of like, somebody's like, yeah, I would really like, I'd love this. I love it. A product that did this. Like I love a product that was a software as a service that would go ahead and and um, take all my old content and and repost it on social media, and and I've spent you know okay I'll I'll create that you know so I've actually tried to create software that did something like that based off of one person's opinion, into the tune of losing six figures when it doesn't get off the ground because I didn't really know what I wanted right. Nowadays, I'll, I'll interview or talk to 10, 15, or I'll do a survey to my, my email list of 50,000 people and be like, Hey, you know, would you buy this thing? Or would you want this thing? So I'm, I'm trying to get more than one opinion of something. I don't want to get too many where it's just so varied that you can't really pay attention to what's going on, or you don't really know what you're looking at, but going through and just trying to come up with like, what's the happy medium. I don't want too much data. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to run a poll, like a political poll. I'm not trying to run, you know, a survey of the whole, I'm not running the US census, but I'm also not just talking to one person and getting an outlier's idea, right? So talking to the right amount of people to figure out, okay, well, is this the right direction or not? Also, data can come in different ways too. So like, if you notice that the market, like one of the things that I do is I talk to my peer business owners, people who are about at about my level or maybe a little bit higher, and I do masterminds with them once every quarter, sometimes every month even. And I and, and actually some masterminds that are every two weeks. And I'm just like, hey, what's working for you? What are you doing? And I get those ideas. So I'll, I'll, I'll get like 10 peer ideas. I'll get maybe the ideas from 20 of my best customers. And I'll just sort of mash it together. To, and then I'll, I'll work with one-on-one coaches. I have a business coach. I've had multiple business coaches for me even though I coach others, like I still get coaching for me. And I sort of disseminated down to, okay, well, this is what the marketplace is saying. This is what people want. I'm going to go out and do this. Right. So, um, you know, may, it may or may not, it may fail, but I know that I'm giving it a, a pretty good chance at succeeding. And then again, um, making sure that I'm calculated enough with the numbers, how much it costs, how much time I put into it, that, that ultimately, well, even though an initiative might fail, the business will never be a failure because I'm always, you know, work, you know, working on and de- dedicating time to the things that do work. So, so it's it's a lot of um, deciding, you know, not really having a, not worrying too much about the short term, while also making sure you always keep vision on the long term with what you're doing. I really like the way you qualify your ideas before you go and invest in them, right? I think that's the critical, it's wise. Uh, Many of us forget to do that. And we just make these emotional decisions of like, this is a great idea because I asked the guy in the mirror and he said it was a great (laughs) idea. So it must be a great idea and everyone's gonna pay me millions of dollars. And it's just not how it works. You've mentioned faith multiple times. Now we're all come to faith in different places, right? We're all in different places in our faith journeys. Uh, what do you do, Jeff, to strengthen and deepen your own faith? Yeah, um, <laughs> um, it's a tough question. I don't, I don't know if I really have. It's not something that I. It's sort of like 
it's not active in my life, faith, as far as religion, going to church. Um, I was raised Catholic, have a, my parents spent a lot of time. I still go to go to church with them. Um, but it, it's not something that I've really, you know, I, I've, I've more surrounded myself with more of the business growth, mentorship, teaching, that type of stuff. Um, I do believe that I, I follow a, a pretty strong moral code. Like I definitely know what's right and wrong. And, and I definitely, that's been instilled to me through the generations of my family and, 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 you know, what they do. And I pass it on to my son as well, but it's sort of like a, it's more of an operating system than a, um, than a program that I'm using every day <laughs> is what I would say. Fair enough. Thank you for answering that. Appreciate it. All right. So we're speaking with Jeff Sauer. Jeff, I'm saying the last name correct, right? I you keep are, double absolutely. guessing. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I think like lemons, you know, sour, <laughs> yes, sour. There you go. Exactly. All right. Uh, Jeff, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the hustle round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. It's like a game show minus the prizes. Are you ready, sir? Let's do it. All right. What's your favorite thing about owning your own business? Freedom. What's your least favorite thing? responsibility. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of the human condition. What are you currently challenged with uh, right now, either professionally or personally? Balance, work life, life, health, life, health balance is always the most challenging one for me. Yeah. What has worked for you in that? If you don't mind me asking so far, blocking oh. off time on my calendar to work out. So I have a standing meeting every single day for 90 minutes to work out and, and it does work pretty well. All right, there you go, progress. What are you most afraid of? I'm most afraid of this all being meaningless at the end. <laughs> that, yeah, like I'm, I'm afraid of like not doing enough while I can. Mm, I get that, that's a real fear. What did you spend way too much time doing your first year in this business? I think I spent way too much time surfing the internet and just goofing around and, and sort of like getting closure from my previous business and not enough time really understanding what it was. So a lot of just, Hey, I'm free now. I can do whatever I want to do. What secret fear do you have about people? I don't, I don't know if I have any fear about people. I feel like I understand people very well. <laughs> wow. That's better than most, my friend. <laughs> what do you wish you had learned sooner in business? Um, I wish that I would have. I wish that I would have stick stuck with my computer science degree, roughed it out, gotten a software engineering master's degree, and started software as a service when it, right when it was starting. Mm. Um, again, I graduated in this weird time where, like, I was learned like the web was barely a thing, and it was all about like. COBOL programming and like mainframe computers and desktop desktop apps. And like, if I would have graduated three years later, I would have gotten an entire training on how to build software as a service in the cloud. Um, so I learned on all these old tools and I sort of gave up on it and went on to the internet, like the web design piece versus the application piece, thinking that that business model would never work. It was right after the dot-com bust. And so if I would have, if I would have graduated Five years earlier, I would have um, been a software engineer. If I would have graduated five years later, I would have been a software engineer. Any regrets? No. Okay. What's a new habit you're going to create this year? 
Um, I, this year I created the habit of blocking off calendar for working out and, and, um, fitness first calorie counting, working with a trainer. So I work with a personal trainer who's helped me get my health back and get it back into shape. Good job. What is a bad habit you're going to break this year? Um, probably trying to drink less alcohol. I have yeah. a bourbon collection and I really like bourbon, but, uh, I don't like the, uh, the effects of it on health. So, um, I've been a lot more limited with alcohol. Good for you. I'm more of a port and cigars kind of individual. Uh, pick three words to describe who you were your first year in this business. Um, cocky yet not founded <laughs> or cocky, but un unfounded. Mm. Pick three words to describe who you are, uh, right now. Yeah. Old and wise. <laughs> that is three words, old and wise. And last question, Jeff, if you could come back to life after you died, look your family and friends in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about true success, what would you say to them? Um, I don't know if I would, see, I don't know if I would like, I would, I would have thought that I would do that while I was living. So if I, if I can't raise my kid and tell him what true success is now, then that means that I failed as a dad and failed as the guy that I want to be for him. So I don't know if I would need to, to, to rise from the grave and tell him that I want to tell him that every single day. So what would you tell him today? To. I would tell him that success is, is balance. It's not just about money and you know, money is just one of the five things. You know, there's, I, and I can't remember off the top of my head, but there's like, you know, five things that you want to have in balance in your life, family, faith. You, you probably know these better finances. than finances. Yeah. Finances, yeah. um, fitness community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and it's like, I think that you should, you should almost try to, to do one of those things for that every single day, as opposed to my, what I've done is like extreme. Like if I'm into fitness, like that's all that I'm into, you know, and it will come at the expense of other things. Or if I'm into family, then I won't work as hard on the business, that type of stuff. So, um, just try to, just try to give yourself time to focus on all pillars every day, as opposed to doing the extreme, like I do where you're into it and then you're out of it. Mm. Preach Jeff, preach brother. All right. This is the time of the show where you get to give Startup Nation a homework assignment for this week. What's one action they must take if they want to uh, make better decisions off of the data that's all around them in their life right now? Yeah. So we didn't get a chance to talk about this much, which is great because I didn't really, we didn't need to, but Google Analytics, they're, they're wiping out the old version of Google Analytics on July 1, 2023. And so if you have a website and you've put Google Analytics on there to get data about how many people are going to your site, your traffic sources, how your, your search and search is performing, everything like that. It's basically going to stop collecting data on July 1 of 2023. Mm. For a lot of you, this is probably not a big deal. You might not look at it ever, but I would encourage you to make the switch to Google Analytics 4. It takes about 10 minutes maybe to put that code on your site or to work with somebody to put the code on your site. And then you'll have data that's continuous over time. You won't have any gaps. You won't not know what happened. Um, and, and so that's what I would encourage you to do is to put Google Analytics 4 on your site before the end of the year. Um, the other thing I'll tell you is 
I actually have a, and this might be going into the next question, but I have a product, we call it the Google Analytics do-it-yourself toolbox. And it's basically a, a set of processes, standard operating procedures that you can use that even if you've never touched this thing before, you can actually just follow our checklist and it will give you every single step you need to do in order to make this transition successful for you. So I would encourage you to check out our GA4 toolbox if you want to make that switch. And Jeff, where do they go to get that valuable tool that you're offering? Yeah, so they can go to ddu.ai slash toolbox, and that'll give them exactly what they want. So that's that's our short link to it. Say that again, please. ddu.ai slash toolbox. All right, Startup Nation. Jeff has given you a tool to make this transition smoother for you. It is coming. It's on the way. Will you be ready? <laughs> Do something today. Let's go. All right. Uh, Startup Nation, did you love this episode with Jeff? He spoke about data, but I think he did it in a way that was interesting. It's actually motivating, right? And hopefully we've inspired you to look at the data in your business, to look at the data in your family life as well, right? You apply this in all areas of your life. What's the data in your fitness right now? Like, seriously, right? What's the data in your finances? What is it telling you? Are you on track to hit the, the goals? Or are you totally going to miss it this year? Like, these are the decisions, right? This is the opportunity for you. So if you like this episode, please go to uh, Apple Podcasts. Write a five-star review for Jeff. Uh, tell him how much you loved him and what value he brought to you. Um, if uh, you loved it, like go to Stitcher Radio. If you're an Android person, you know, go to Stitcher.com. Um, or you could go to first100k.com, first100k.com, write your five-star review. If I like what you uh, write and you really like build Jeff's ego up, then I will go ahead and read it aloud for you on the show, uh, like I'm about to do right now with one of our listeners, uh, Mind Pump Joe. Mind Pump Joel is his ha handle, and he wrote a five-star review full of actionable knowledge, this podcast. I love what Joseph is doing with the podcast. He holds nothing back and provides an insane amount of value for new entrepreneurs. Well, thank you, Mind Pump Joel. Um, I really appreciate your five-star review. Startup Nation, go write yours now. Jeff, thank you for being on your first 100K. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. Really appreciate it. Cheers. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things. You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on of bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. 
Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids. We lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.